This is the Under Pressure Podcast. Every week, wherever you get your podcasts, we have guests on to talk about their careers from a different angle. So remember to keep up to date with us on Instagram and Twitter at underpressure one underscore and Under Pressure Podcast on Facebook. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Under Pressure Podcast brought to you by the Inner Sanctum. You can find all the Inner Sanctum stuff on all social media platforms and you can read all the magnificent stuff that we do at theinnersanctum.com.au. Now to today's show, our guests played 200 games and played for both Melbourne and Collingwood, uh, kicking 94 goals in that time. Uh, in the year 2000, he had a stellar season and won the Brownlow medal as well as the Keith Bluey Truscott medal which was a judge the best and fairest of the Melbourne Football Club for that year. Shane Wawoda, welcome to the Under Pressure Podcast, mate. Jake, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. No, thank you so much for, for joining me. Uh, what are you doing with yourself at the moment? Yeah, back in Western Australia. Um, I've been back a couple of times, post-career, moved back to Perth, be uh, around family, continue my uh, footy career um, in the later stages, back with the waffle and then um, spent five years here, then got into coaching, went to Brisbane for six years, um, spent some time with the Brisbane Lions in that time and then um, sort of soft cap came in, went to move clubs, tried to get back to Victoria, didn't eventuate. So I then brought the family back to WA again. So um, <laughs> been back here now, um, not really coaching as much anymore. The aspirations to coach in the AFL are, are no longer there. So um, more community, more school-based um, and back in the corporate world. I ah, love it. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Are you, you're getting a lot out of the, uh, the sort of the younger years coaching? coaching yeah, absolutely. Younger? Yeah. Mm. And I haven't been through the system and having been aspiring to try be an AFL player uh, at that age, um, know what those kids are going through. So to develop young men really um, mm. and spend some time with them and try to get some quality coaching across and let them achieve their goals. And yeah, and, and they're a committed bunch too. So that's uh that's all more for the the ease of of that level too. When they're yeah, it's it's it takes presence for them. They're committed. They want to do it. And for me, really, it's a great lifestyle balance too because it only goes for twelve weeks in term two and term three, and no preseasons, and you're done. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Preseasons can be hard though. <laughs> if they want to do those. Long. Yeah, for sure. Now we'll get get straight into it. Talking about those uh, sort of younger years, um, but even before you came into the AFL did you have any injuries like post sorry prior to coming into the AFL or was it pretty smooth sailing yeah no it wasn't smooth sailing as a junior I think um my first year of 17s like year 11 um Mm. I had a little bit of soft tissue stuff so I actually gave the game away for um I was you know trying to give the game for about 12 months and then um the lure of it came back to me once I felt like I was um healthy again yeah. Um, I missed the draft of 94, my top end Colts year. Um, mm. So that was okay. But my, the 95, 96 years, I, I've suffered two metatarsal stress fractures. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So both seasons, as an, uh, so I missed the second and third years of draft. Um, mm. And I felt like, uh, you know, eight weeks really, you, you miss eight weeks of the season. Mm. But you're missing probably 12 with regards to trying to get yourself back into form, um, back healthy, fit again. So mm. um, my two 19, 20-year-old years were, again, I thought ridiculed really at time by um, injury. Yeah. Where I'd missed consecutive weeks. So two metatarsal stress fractures in the feet um, weren't helping me at all. So <laughs> I did feel like that had affected um, my late teens and trying to get on an AFL list. Mm. Um, yeah, and that was pretty difficult to take, knowing the fact that you're missing footy and scouts are watching and your opportunity slipping away. Yeah, it's, it's not, obviously not a great time. You, you want to get into that system and then having all these sort of niggling things that are always just holding you back is not what, not what you want and probably not what AFL clubs want, want to see either. No, no, not ideal. You're not showcasing yourself. You're not putting your best foot forward, um, limited preparation, um, the mental challenges of, you know, lonely rehab um, yeah. and not being experienced at it too. You know, when you're a young man and um, in a waffle system, yeah, um, yeah it's not ideal. And you're yeah, trying to deal with the demons of 
trying to get yourself back on the paddock again. <laughs> that's yeah, that's exactly exactly right. Did did the club did some of the clubs sort of have hesitancy towards um, picking you up when you finally did get into the AFL system, or were they pretty uh, were they all right with um, sort of how you oh, dealt with the injuries and whatnot? Well, I I didn't expect to be drafted as an eighteen year old in, mm. in my top end of Colts my draft year. Um, I put my name in there, but I had no expectations really. It's mm. I thought oh, I'm going to have a really crack as a 19 year old, and then the injury came, and then um, I just probably obviously wasn't good enough as an 18, 19 year old, and then you try to do it again, and and you miss out at 20 mm. um, for a national draft, uh, and again limited. Had senior experience now in those two years, but yeah. just probably not enough, mm. and um, physically, maturity wise. Who knows? You, you never knew the reasons as to why you weren't picked up, but you just had to keep plugging away and um, drawing on what you what you'd learnt over those previous two to three years. And, sure. um, but then keep working and grinding and continue to build on the craft and and trying to get there. You felt like you were good enough. You knew mm. you were good enough. It's just whether or not the opportunity was going to present itself. That that's it. Now, I guess at such a young age, you can sort of. Um, oh, what's the word? You can sort of build something from that. And uh, I know it's obviously not ideal to have injuries early on in your career, but so you can sort of learn from these things and sort of take them, take them with you into the game, I, I think. And I feel yeah. like that's, I feel like that's what I've done as well with, with, with mine. I feel like you can learn so much as a young guy and then, and then sort of take it forward because you don't usually sort of experience those injuries early uh, on in your absolutely. career. Yeah. That 95 year when I've had my first um, stress fracture, um, you know, didn't know how to really rehab it. Wasn't sure. Mm. And I had great help around me. So the, um, the program that I was given um, at East Romano, who was a very professional football club back then as, as, a, as a waffle organisation. Um, but my first time being injured and, and what it took. But when I came back from that injury, um, I, I felt I wasn't prepared to tackle yeah. the, the training schedule again or the games. Um, so I learned a lot in the second year around where how to rehab it and what to do, but the intensity had to go another level. Um, but when you're stuck in a pool and you're water running, you can't uh, be on the ground, mm. you learn how to, okay, well, I wasn't fit enough when I came back last time. So things to improve on and where yeah. to get, where to take your rehab is um, was essential. So I learned big learnings going into my second one. Oh no, no doubt about it. And and you do, you do learn from all, all these all those different things prior as well. So absolutely. Um, did how were you as a rehabber, sort of as a young guy? I should ask. Um, were you were you um, very good, very driven? Yeah, driven absolutely because you want to get back as quick as yeah. you can. Um, being a first time too, really, mm. it's first real injury you ever had. Well, as yeah. a 19 year old um, but second one definitely um, because you know again the experience of the first one put me in good stead for the second one um, and sometimes you can have help obviously with um, rehab partners but sometimes it can be a lonely space as well um, mm. no one because I've always I've always felt training with someone always drives you oh, um, training by yourself is never an issue but no. I think the ability for someone to help and continue to drive and push you makes a big difference. So whether that's on the track or in the pool or in the gym, um, it's always good fun training with someone. So, but it can be a lonely place at times too. So, you know, little voices in the head and pop on the shoulder um, don't really want you to go that hard. But uh, yeah, I felt my second one was, um, although disappointing and again, yeah. missed opportunity where I missed eight weeks, but um, I always felt that, uh, it made me stronger and having been through it already before. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And they, and they do. And I mean, obviously we've said you don't experience it, but it can be, um, can be good moving forward. I, I yeah. guess in, in that, in Absolutely. those terms. Yeah. Take us, take us to the first couple of years you're at the D's and when you experienced your first uh, injury um, in, in that's in the AFL system and yep. sort of what was it like inside, inside the uh, inner sanctum as it were um, for, um, to, to do your rehab and did you confide in anyone or anything like that? Yeah, I, um, I was very fortunate in my career with injuries. Yeah. Um, I had a I had a couple. My second season in 98, I had my third 
um, stress fracture in my feet, but this yeah. one's in my navicular, which is your major bone in your foot. And I felt yeah. that the first time in round 10, um, um, which is not ideal in your second season of AFL footy, but um, I got through it. I ended up playing every game again that year as well. So yeah, with, with that one, and I, I still don't know how it all eventuated and the medical people at the club still didn't either. Is that um, <laughs> stress fracture? I always, but when I trained and played and when I got warm, it was okay. Mm. It's when I cooled down. Um, so I collapsed every morning getting out of bed when I put weight on my foot, but had a modified program. And I was able to get through the season and then play the last 10 weeks um, with a stress fracture in my navicular. And after the 98 prelim, I had yeah. surgery and had two screws inserted into my foot. So, <laughs> um, uh, so moon boot bound overseas and yeah. Uh, yeah, had a limited preparation in readiness for the start of the preseason. But um, yeah, that, that was a real, I was really fortunate. I don't know how that eventuated and how I got through another 12 games of footy, but yeah, it happened. Um, so, but having had two seasons prior, having deal with stress fractures, yeah. Um, although this one was a lot different because it was a major bone in my body. Yeah, correct. Um, and but I learned how to be patient with this one, mm. and having full time medical people around you, it's obviously a lot easier. Yeah. Um, so uh, and having the high performance people um, build your program in readiness mm. um, and full time, and that and that was that. That's obviously the biggest um, advantage of being an AFL elite system is you're full time athlete. So the time to prepare your body and get it right um, in rehab and doing it full-time with treatment daily mm. makes the uh, process a lot easier. Oh, definitely. Obviously. Yeah. So much, so much around you to use. And cause obviously yeah. you're, you're, you're your moneymaker essentially. So you work on yourself Absolutely. to, to, to yeah. get yourself into it. Did in that season, I did want to ask, did, was it, was it a joint decision in sort of you playing the rest of that season or was it, um, was it like, the doctors was like, yeah, you, you, can, you can get through the rest of the year. We'll just have to monitor and whatnot. Or you, yeah, I know you probably wanted to play being so young at that time. Yeah. It's um, yeah. I wanted to continue playing and just see how far I can go with it. Mm. Um, we weren't going to scan it because if we scanned it, we knew what the issue was going to be. And it was straight away would have been um, season done. Yeah. So, but we, we modified the program. Um, so doctor and I and physio, um, we'll just say we'll just go week to week and see where it sits and fits. But one thing that we didn't do is we didn't scan it because we knew the worst, we knew what it probably would be, and then mm. that would derail the season. So, um, we took a, we took a, a gamble, uh, it paid off. Yeah, um, if we had got to the grand final after that prelim of 98, I, I wonder if I would have played. I was gonna, no, I, I was gonna that. ask was that. that. Yeah, yeah, I was at the, I was at the tip of it being a disaster and that's how much pain I eventually got to in that 98 season so you know two days after the game I'm in surgery getting it done um <laughs> but yeah we were blown away by how how far I can get through it mm. without really crippling me and um the fact that it didn't get any worse really game day mm. as long as it stayed warm yeah um but it, it was a miracle really I, I didn't know how I did it but um, sometimes the body can play silly things on you. Um, but yeah, post training, post game, the pain, uh, yeah, excruciating. So, um, but yeah, we modified it and it worked. And yeah, we got through a season, which was, yeah, I was really grateful for. Yeah. And obviously, didn't have to make that tough decision at the end there, although you probably would have wanted to make that tough decision, I guess, um, yeah, going into the yeah, grand final. Yeah. Had to final. get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Had but, to get it done. So, um, yeah, it would have been interesting if we had got to that position. <laughs> The Under Pressure Podcast. We'll, we'll take, take it to the whole career. What, what was your worst injury right, right through your entirety of your career? Um, I know you said you were lucky, but yeah. like Yeah, the, 90, the 98 one was strong, but I did feel the 2001. I got a soft tissue injury in 2000. So um, the upper insertion of with a tendinopathy, so the upper insertion of the hamstring yeah. into the glute, um, uh, which eventually you, you just lose power. You can't really um, generate the power that you want to be able to do. So I suffered that for probably half of the 2000 season um, and, and I got through it. 
Um, I eventually did my hamstring on grand final day in 2000. Um, did it in the first quarter. Um, uh, yeah, I've got a great photo. I've got to find it somewhere again. Um, old stand back in those days, the Northern stand. There's a yeah. photo of um, top of the Northern pulling down on me and Chris Heffernan tackles me in the first quarter and I've got a lump in my hamstring where it goes on me. Um, <laughs> so having to deal with that all year was probably a, the biggest challenge of my career. Mm. Uh, uh, week to week in season, trying to get yourself up for game day uh, and it worked. I was, I was very fortunate and blessed again with a, a great medical team. Um, and again, modified a little bit of the season. Um, uh, but the, and so that, that it's probably more a mental challenge, really, because you know, I knew physically I'd get through it, and yeah. I didn't feel like it was going to ping on me. But um, it's just aggravating the injury, and it just—I um, think it takes it away more mental for you. Mm, for um, sure. So I finished the season. We'll able to get away. I thought a little bit of rest might do it, and we consulted as a as a medical team, uh, myself, the coaching staff, um, and I went to Ireland in two thousand after that for the All-Australian Series. So I thought, mm. uh, I've had a rest. It'll be good. Mm. It resurfaced again over in Ireland, so, which was really frustrating. I was able to get through that, but then I thought it'd be good just to have a, a break before pre-season. I'll be right again. But um, uh, my whole of leading up to Christmas of 2000, that pre-season was again hampered with this thing. I could never train. Um, yeah, and that's where I, I probably was starting to struggle a little bit. Yeah, physically, yep. mentally, emotionally, because I'm just not going to be able to prepare um, for the following year as well as I would have liked. Mm. Um, eventually, the coach at Christmas time uh, intervened and oh, said, wow. "Enough's enough." We, yeah, he yeah. intervened over all medical people. Um, I remember the conversation. Said, "Mate, he's not training over Christmas. He's not weight bearing. He's full rest. No one in training." Um, something had to change because nothing was working. I couldn't yeah. get rid of this niggle and pain and aggravation. Um, and I just can't train the way I want to train and prepare. So um, I was bound to a pool um, and swimming only for weeks on end. Wow. Until I got back in into January. And then we just started the slow grind and walk, walk, jog, jog. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was my biggest one. Yeah. Um, really. And uh, following year, I had a, I, I suffered a, um, a broken transverse process in my back. So and that was my first injury where I missed games of footy. I only missed two weeks, but that was my um, yeah. only injury where I missed my whole career. So as I said earlier, I was I was very fortunate. Yeah. No. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, you never want to do them, but like at the right time, you sort of done them at the right times, I guess, and yeah. got through seasons and got through. Yeah, that's amazing. You you touched on um, the mental side before. Um, yep. How, how were you mentally? I mean, obviously, you got so much, so much, so many people and so many things to use. But how were you? How were you mentally with getting through the injuries? Yeah, I was fine with the feet. I was fine with the back because um, bones. I felt they just they repair. Yeah. Um, and and that's probably just a time frame really on awareness of pain and where you can go and what you can do. So I think the um the repairing of bones a lot easier. The the aggravation with tendons and ligaments and more tendons that uh, muscle, they're yeah. the they're the frustrating ones because it depends on how you're feeling and your awareness. It could be two weeks, it could be six, it it could be in three months, you just never know. So um uh, they were the frustrating ones for me. And that's where my hamstring one was. Um, it, it, it killed me, really. Um, frustrating, anger, can't do what you want to do. And it's more the why. And how is this happening? Why can't I, why can't it repair itself? Yeah. Um, so you try different things. You work on different things. You get so many angles of um, advice, um, theories, what it is but in the day like if it's not working that's the stuff that and then you just try and go from box to box to box and different alternative methods and nothing works so that's and not being able to do what you want to do in your job yeah that was the more frustrating thing for me and being only 24 um, and still young and it's probably your first serious injury yeah 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 frustrating 
Yeah, no, for sure. It is a bit. It is a process, as you said, and it just oh, when you're sort of yeah. stuck at one, when you're stuck at one area, it's like when can I just move to the next one? Like it's just it Correct. becomes aggravating, and mm. um, as as you said, it's just yeah, it's it can be it can get difficult. But and then you yeah. touched on having a um, someone there to train with can always can always help as well because um, it affects your day to day living as well. Yeah, it's not exactly. necessarily just your sporting life and your job. Mm. It's what you do day to day. So if you find sitting down for dinner or sitting on the couch painful, um, yeah, it starts to detract away from, you know, your lifestyle and, yeah. and how you get yourself through it. So, um, yeah, painful memories. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Um, it, it. We sort of talked about sort of having people to sort of train with and whatnot. Did you have people that you did train with or guys that were you can sort of confided into um, and took things from them when they did their rehab or or anything like that, just sort of little niches that you took from them? Yeah, absolutely. I, don't, I think when you're, uh, as I said earlier, it can be a lonely place, mm. rehab, um, because you train away from the main group all the time mm. uh, in an elite system, you know, different times, you could be in, um, in and away from the main playing group. And even when you're sometimes doing rehab, uh, even though you're still, you know, with yourself or a smaller group, um, and watching the others train full time, that's that can really detract away as well because you want to be there but you can't do it. But it's a mm. process. Um, but yeah, but having people in the same rehab group, although different injuries and different time frames of when to return, um, uh, you can you can draw on it because you're in it together. So it doesn't yeah. matter if you're six weeks away and he's ten weeks away. That's important. Just being there and um, working your way through it, whether it's just communication-wise or um, having a coffee after it together and um, just grinding your way through it, oh, the support's um, critical, really, really important. Uh, doing rehab alone is, is not the answer. So um, just about a um, lean on each other um, and just help each other through it and um, just having that positive conversation to be able to, you know, when we're back, we're back. So yeah. I think that's the biggest thing I learned, um, particularly after that 98 one, is just being patient. Yeah. That's being it. really patient. Um, you're going to get back when that time is. Don't try and rush it. I, I remember 98, um, my navicular was the same as James Hurd. He had the oh, wow. navicular yeah. in Essendon. And he did it yeah. twice. We, um, we had both had the same surgeon. Um, Julian Fellow, who did a great job on on our injuries, mm. um, and whether or not Hurdy came back a little bit earlier or rushed it, there was scenes of James Hurd on the bench in '99, really emotional. I think it was '99 he did his um, yeah. in tears on the bench, knowing he'd hurt it again. Um, and mm. I was always the opinion: just don't rush it. When the time is time, um, and you come back, you come back. So being patient through injuries, although hard. Although hard, we're always in a rush. Um, <laughs> let it heal properly. And when you are back, you are back. And um, I think that's the support of that high-performance team and their professionals in taking their guidance. Really, really important information. Oh, exactly. And you obviously don't want to take any time later on in your career because if you, if you come back, you're coming back early and and then you do it again. Like yeah, the process starts, starts again and you've gone – should have waited another two, three weeks and I would have been yeah, full, fully fit and that would have been all good. So yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Think of that end goal and then work towards it. And then it feels even better when you, when you get to that moment for, for mm-hmm. sure, when you play for the first time again. Um, just wanted to touch on the actual um, different styles of um, sort of the areas that you sort of did your rehab in obviously you played for um, the D's and then you played um, for the Magpies later on in your career. What were the, what the different areas like that you got to train in? Were they, were they, were they similar or were they fairly different in sort of when, where you did your rehab is what I sort of mean. Yeah, um, They're similar because you do a lot of it on the deck yeah. and outside. Um, uh, in terms of facility, you know, initially both very similar um, we trained at Junction Oval at Melbourne in my time. Um, mm. It's very different now to where the boys are. They've got elite <laughs> yeah. training facilities now, but um, obviously we weren't blessed with funds and, <laughs> and cash flow. So, yeah. um, but that's what makes 
footy environments, just learn to deal with yeah. old suburban grounds and what you deal with, and that's what you do, you know. Um, so we didn't have a hell of a lot. Um, so it was probably the difficult thing with Melbourne at the time is just having to drive for a different venue, whether it was a pool um, mm. at MSAC in um, around Albert Park, although although it's only five minutes away, you still got to get in your car. Um, yeah. Gym facility not great, can be very crowded at times. Um, so you're always, you're always jumping from facility to facility to rehab yourself. Um, probably pretty similar when I first got to Collingwood because we we're at Vic Park. Again, old suburban ground. That's right. Um, not much, bit more room, but mm. very old. Very yeah. old. Um, <laughs> it's, we had, probably had more equipment. Um, the big turning point is when you get to the Lexus Centre. I think eighteen months in my career, which is now, I think it's changed names a few times. But oh, yeah, I don't wouldn't know the name now. <laughs> yeah, and then you go from chalk to cheese. You know, mm. the Lexus Center was the first probably big first class facility in mm. the AFL, um, and we were blessed as a playing group, and where everything there is at your fingertips. Um, you can only move to a room. You don't have to go anywhere. Don't get in your car. You got your pool. You got your gym. You got your high performance area. You got your hot barrack chambers. Um, um, so time, you know, time mm. was the big thing there. Um, That's it. And you just, yeah, that was easier. Um, so that was probably the biggest difference, just knowing you had a first-class facility and, you know, if you needed to get a scan or whatever it was, you could walk around the corner and it's all there for you. Um, so uh, that was my biggest thing. But otherwise, in terms of um, the other both changes, is different medical teams different high-performance teams, different opinions, different theories. Um, you know, I did my hamstring uh, in a pre-season, eight weeks out of the 04 season, my first or well, second real soft tissue one. Yeah. Um, and I came back at 21 days and did it again. So I had 28 days before round one. Mm. Um, so I said, I'm taking the 28 days next time. And I got back up for round one without a pre-season game. But again... That different program in the eight in that second four week block, um, we did things differently, and we just made sure we ticked boxes at the final two weeks mm. to make sure I was ready, which we probably didn't tick um, in the first time. So, again, um, different methods, different ways of doing things, different ideas. Um, yeah, it was um, it was fascinating having to, to hear and speak to different people as to um, how you rehab different injuries. Yeah, did you find it very different? Obviously, there's different different medical people at Melbourne and different medical people at, at Collingwood. Were they were they all sort of at, a little different, or were they just yeah. doctors are pretty much doctors, or pretty much, pretty much. Um, probably where AFL footy was at the time. Um, I'm not sure where it's at now. It'd be interesting to be able to go in and mm. um, sit as a fly on a wall and listen to how these. Uh, medical and high performance teams communicate and what they do back yeah. in the time I felt it was very um, so I have a wife as a naturopath oh. um, so yeah. the alternative ways and methods to um, see it differently or treat it differently or what to take um, really opened my eyes to the world really yeah. and how we do things and um, where it was very there's the box we don't go without it and I felt footy clubs at the time um, didn't really want to see different opinions and and go outside the box. Um, very black and white. This is our way. This is how you do it. Whereas I was a little bit frustrated as and why aren't we trying this? Why can't we do that? Um, you know, between doctors and physios. So when you start to get osteopaths in, naturopaths and different ways of thinking, um, mm. that was the frustrating thing. Why can't we all just collaborate? We're on the same page. We're trying to do the same thing and get to the end point together. So why can't we bring in different ideas and methods? That's it. Um, whereas I think now probably that might be the case a bit more so. So, yeah, that was the frustrating thing from a player's point of view. <laughs> Could imagine, yeah. Could imagine. Obviously got so many things thrown out here. It's like, why can't I just one common goal? <laughs> one common goal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we, I found it really, really frustrating. We, yeah. Why can't we go and look at that box? Yeah. See if we can try something completely different and it, yes it's an alternative method but it might work yeah well exactly right exactly right and they, i think they do do it a little bit more often than they probably did um back in the day i reckon there's so many more so many options for, for these yeah. guys traveling yeah, yeah. traveling calf's blood 
injections <laughs> into in Europe. Yeah, so many different ones. And that's that's great. You know, looking outside the box and how do we do things differently, different specialists who are gurus in their areas. This is the Under Pressure Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Taking a turn to sort of other other players when you were playing, in the, what was your what was the worst injury you sort of saw? Maybe when you were on field, do you sort of have any, or the first one that sort of comes to mind that you remember another player doing, whether it be from one of your clubs or um, another team that you were playing against at that certain point, and just how they how they looked and how they sort of how you felt in that time as well. Yeah, I uh, think, um, geez, in my time, the old knees are the big one, aren't they? Because yeah. you know. Um, you know, for your teammate, it's not like a six-week thing. We'll see you back. You know, season's done. Yeah. You know, whether it's the start of the year, middle of the year, you know, you've got 12 months away. Um, um, so they were the big ones. Like a teammate's David Schwartz who went through three, you know. Yeah. Uh, and when he was at his powers, and I wasn't there early, but 94 when he's at his super best, um, you know, there's – there was talk around town then, and and I wasn't in the system then. But there was talk around town. He was better than Wayne Carey at that stage, and then he, was, yeah. he goes and does three. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the the grind and the mental aptitude to be able to work back from three and get back on the park again and play again good footy, they're inspiring stories. Mm. Um, and you know, I'll never give up. You know, because they just want to continue to play. Um, Tuck and Lockyer in 03, 03 mm. did one at Collingwood. Um, and like they're important players, they're leaders, um, and they're important cogs to your to your system and your group. And um, that one was the first one I thought with Tarks at Collingwood where he really trained by himself. He didn't want to be really around the group. He found that difficult, I think. I think it was that's how okay. he felt. And he trained yeah. very early in the mornings, away from the main group, went about, did his thing, mm. um, and then came back and become a really good player again after missing 12 months. But yeah. I think that's the biggest challenge for playing groups. When you're good mates, you know they're an important part of your system, um, but you lose them for 12 months, um, and it's a big fight. So that's when you've got to really wrap your arms around these boys and um, and try and support them in every way you possibly can because um, it's it's a long haul back. <laughs> it certainly is it certainly is and I mean everyone takes it sort of a different sort of different road and obviously um David Schwartz would have done it early on and it would have been a lot different than the way Tark and Lockyer sort of had to deal with it 10 yeah. years 10 years sort of later so and then obviously he did it a different way in just wanting to be to be on his own I guess each to their own and um whatnot but yeah you know it's going to be you know it's going to be a hard road um for yeah. sure you just Given the support, as you mentioned earlier on, um, support's a big thing, even from family, but from your teammates as well can be can be huge as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, to so you, you work with you work with some young some young people uh, in your in your coaching and whatnot. What sort of what sort of piece of advice you might give them, or or uh, even other players about to get drafted into the AFL about like maybe what they need to do to to get themselves prepared and. Um, and, and different things like that. Yeah, we're going through it now with a couple of young boys um, who uh, are injured um, and working their way. And they're, and they're in state systems as well. So not only they're playing school footy, but they're at waffle clubs. Um, yep. They're in the state system. Um, um, so it's it's really interesting sitting back and because they're getting different advice because because they're in so many systems and groups you know different coaches um different parts of advice different ways of thinking <laughs> getting so much information at the same time yeah and can be very overwhelming i think for young 16 17 18 year old boys who are getting all this information advice as to what to do um but certainly um there's got to be a control point and a top end point and a really um first port of call um, which I think some don't have, some do. Uh, but in terms of injuries and these young boys, I, my biggest advice for these kids has always been about patience. Stick to the program, nothing more, nothing less. Because mm. um, I, And I remember when I'm at that age, all you want to do is do more. 
you know, um, sure. go above yeah. above the program, do extras. Extras, I've always found you had to be doing, but more so as a craft point of view and building on your game as extras. When you start going outside the um, train lines with regards to um, more loading with extra yeah. running, yeah. doing road running above your program, that's when that's when you hit the big hurdles. And we're For finding sure. that now with a couple of young boys. It, the less supervised work when they're away from their footy programs, um, extras, and they're, like, they're doing five, 10K runs on concrete and coming <laughs> back and going, well, well, now they're starting all this um, um, groin stuff, back stuff. They're all starting to compound. Yeah. And then they start missing pre-season games and they'll miss the first weeks of the season because of they now put themselves back. So um, the biggest advice I've been is, is, you know, stick to the program. Um, stick to the guys who are the professionals because that's their job. Um, they're the qualified ones and <laughs> teaching young kids that because all they're hungry, they want to do it and they want to do the work. But again, there's that patient side of things of, of, of learning just to stick to your program and, and stick to the course. And when you're ready, you'll be ready. And that's that's it. Patience, I think, is the biggest word you can take out of any sort of injury. I think that's that's yeah. that's the biggest word that you can have. have having that up written somewhere just looking at that and just giving yourself yeah all right i've got time i can do this i'll yeah, take no rush yeah exactly and no that, that, that's the biggest thing i think even just even local sport and like just patience is key and yeah and in life as well really patience can be key at, at points as well which is um and that's and that's great um yeah and but also no, don't take shortcuts in the program you know, yeah the program is there for a reason um because it'll extend the time you're out but it, it also might bring your rehab forward you know because your body might um, mm. take the things a bit differently so uh, yeah that's always been a big one is stick to the program what will be will be and when the time is time yeah, you'll be ready to go yeah no definitely definitely staying on the sort of the coaching on the coaching side of things what sort of got you into wanting to to coach in general, like even in, yeah. when you did it in the AFL and doing it at the moment, what what sort of drove you to become a coach? Well, when I finished playing, I probably didn't have any real ambitions to coach because mm. um, you want to play for as long as you possibly can. You know, the game yeah. <laughs> we love, we've grown up on it, done it for as long as we can. So when I retired, um, and I was in the corporate world already because I needed to find a pathway outside mm. of footy so I can – What's the next 40 years look like for me? And I'm 31 <laughs> years of age. I'm done. What does it look like? So um, I went to the corporate world and then it was probably two years off and on and it just wasn't for me. I missed the game a little mm, bit. But, yeah. So how can I impact the game, um, share my knowledge and pass on my experiences and but stay in the game for a lot longer? So that's when I'm drifted into coaching and um, you know, went and did necessary conferences and courses and you know, <laughs> of course, yeah. levels up and, and, and fast track myself. So, um, and my first interview for a, a job and I didn't expect to get it. It was just the process and let's go yeah. through it for an experience point of view. And, mm. um, but the best advice I got from Mick Malthouse when I finished was um, when I went and asked him about coaching is go and coach your own club first. Don't be an assistant, go and learn um, and go and coach your own team. Okay, so um, yeah. so I retired at East from Randall in end of uh, 2007. Mm. Um, that position became available end of that year. <laughs> coach. When all, I'll put my hat in the ring, I'll go through the experience, and I bloody got it. Uh, <laughs> Were you expecting uh, that? Uh, no, yeah. not, not at all. So I must yeah. have wowed him in something with my presentation. because um, <laughs> um, And I didn't have long to prepare for it. I was in Canberra at the time um, doing my level three um, mm. coaching and then got the call up from the CEO to say, you'll present next Tuesday. And that was a Friday. I hadn't had anything prepared. So when I got back to Perth on the weekend, I had three days to get it ready and yeah. um, wowed him with one or two pages and got the job. But um yeah, I was in the deep end straight away with no coaching experience. <laughs> and in a senior waffle team, yeah. um, I knew what the group needed. I wasn't experienced at coaching really, but knew some facets of how the game's played and knew what the group needed. And 
geez, what a learning curve that was for three years. Um, before I thought that was a time now of, done my apprenticeship let's get in the afl system and and learn from the best yeah. and where i can really take my coaching to another level learning off other coaches yeah what, what was it like getting into that i mean you did the did the apprenticeship as you said at east Fremantle, and then um what, the first stint of being a an assistant in the afl what was that like yeah um up and moved the family to brisbane uh, <laughs> which was a Big one. Again, I'd moved the family a few times, so that wasn't new to us, but going to a different environment, um, uh, which develops you as a person, as a family, it's great to, to do. Um, so oh, I no jumped doubt. under Michael Voss for three years at Brisbane. Um, we weren't a strong team at the time, but, yeah, learning how to... Um, uh, yeah, It's a fast-paced environment. It's all in. It's all on. It's for sure. really... It's stressful. Coaching is stressful. doesn't matter if your assistant, senior coach takes the brunt, obviously, being the face <laughs> of the club. But um, the time from game to game and the prep work you need to be able to do. Um, but I love building. And the biggest thing for me with coaching was I love building relationships with players. Mm. And you know, sometimes an assistant coach, um, you're the good cop because sometimes the senior coach is the bad <laughs> cop who needs to drop them where you need to put your arm around them and give them a cuddle. Yeah. Um, and... And, but building relationships with players is good fun. You know, it's good banter. You get to know them. You get to know their families. Um, yeah, and I love seeing um, young guys develop and become the players they want to become, having you been through the system. So I remember when I first got to Brisbane, I've got Daniel Rich, Tom Rockliffe, Jack Redden, Matty Lewenberger, Pierce Hanley. They're all 20 games into their careers. Yeah. Um, and you see them six years later and, and they're at 120 games. And you're seeing them progress and develop and become the player they want to become. Um, yeah, that's really enthralling and that's real satisfaction. Yeah, I was going to say that must that must that must feel amazing seeing that. Obviously, you were there a few years, and then from the from the beginning of when you saw them to the end of when you saw them, like that. Yeah, you've impacted them so much, whether it be on yeah. field or whether it be off field. It it does really mean a lot, I think, to them in the end. And um, some of them are still playing pretty good footy too. Yeah, and that, that's right. If you can impact that, you know, 5%, and whether or not that's on-field or it's the off-field stuff and they become the men that they want to become as well um, um, for their lives, and you're on that journey with them, and sometimes mm. it can only be three years, sometimes it can be 10 or 12, and, um, you know, and when you're building those relationships and to connect now, and even though you've left the club or players have left the club, to be able to touch base or send them a message, um you know, I just I touched base with Daniel Rich the other day. He's 250 games now into his career. Yeah. Um, Phenomenal. You know, I, I messaged Steph Martin yesterday for 200. Just, you know, little impacts you've had along the journey and you've crossed paths and, mm. and they're the relationship you build and you, you have forever. That's that's it. And, yeah, as you said, whether it be for a short or a long period of time, those relationships are, are amazing to have and you'll have them forever, which is, yeah. which is good. You can always shoot a text, have a call and do whatever it's, it's a great place the afl to sort of build those absolute relationships yeah. yeah it's good fun yeah definitely speaking of the afl do you, do you find yourself watching watching much watching much footy or are you more into the uh, coaching side of things uh i'm not much of a um or when when i do watch the footy i i watch it more sometimes more from a strategy point of view and that's the coach in Love you now it. even though yeah. i'm I'm pulling away from the game and the coaching side of things mm. and not having, but I still have to, I still have to follow the trends and how the game's played and um, what players do and listening really intently to coaches. And um, like I, I'm not probably um, touching base with more senior coaches anymore or assistant coaches of how the game. So I've got to continue to learn and develop and mm. bring that to the fore, even though I'm coaching young men now. So um so, yeah, I can watch it for an enjoyment point of view, but <laughs> I'm also watching it from a strategy and tactical point of view and, you know, statistical driven and, <laughs> and how the numbers are and listen to um, the footy shows and what they're doing. And, yeah, mm. I'm a footy head. There's no doubt about it. Um, <laughs> my wife can attain to that. that I love it. I watch too much footy, and but I think when it's in you, it's yeah. in you. Um, no you doubt. can't get away. You can't escape it. Um, you just got to learn to have that downtime when the season's finished. <laughs> For sure, that's it. <laughs> family yeah. time in the uh, family time in the off season, no doubt. Yeah. I, I do have to ask: did, How were you excited for the days a few last season in, in getting in finally cracking that 
the drought. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I worked for ABC Radio, so um, I was rostered to do the grand final um, (laughs) last year. But having your team in there um, and in your home state, uh, yeah. in the ground, I uh, I rang the I rang the boss and said, "Mate, I'm not doing this one. I'm going to sit back and watch it as a as a punter, and enjoy yeah. the experience and and just watch them. Uh, again, still watch it from a tactical point of view what they're doing, but just embracing the time and the moment, mm. having been a past player and and still feel part of it. So yeah, yeah. we we'd lost one, you know, yeah. 22 years ago now, uh, but to see this group come through what they've done over the journey of the last, you know, six or seven years and where they've been and uh, to transform the club. Yeah. Um, that's one. And I'm hoping this group now really looks to be a, a dynasty club and maybe win two or three and, and really stamp their authority on the comp. And they're doing that at the moment. And it's <laughs> oh, great to see. They certainly are. They certainly are. They're going to be one, one of one for the ages, one of those, one of those dynasty teams, as, as you said. Yeah, we for hope sure, so. For sure. For sure. Mm. And I find it, it's amazing how so many players, past players, can sort of feel the success from from the from the flag last year as well. That's what I really love about love about it. I think bringing yeah. all because you've because it's been such a long time having having player past players be so invested in in the club and and still it still matters to them and wanting the club to do well. And I think that's yeah. that's an amazing part of it all. And oh, absolutely, Jake. Yeah, it, it's important because it still means something to them. It's been part mm. of their lives and we're very fortunate at Melbourne that we have a really really connected close past players group um, Amazing. Yeah. and that's been yeah. well documented that Rod Grinch has driven that as the chairman um, for a very long time now and he is a passionate D's man and it means a bit to him so um, how he's been able to really drive and connect all past players and that doesn't matter if you've played 300 AFL games being part of the under 19s in 1990s, um, you're still a Melbourne person, uh, mm. and you're a past player. So, uh, our WhatsApp groups they go off all the time. And <laughs> that's but that's the club, and that's where yeah, it's that's driven, amazing. and they're all part of that. And for the club to be able to embrace that group and bring them along with the journey, that's been pretty special too. And and I think they've really um, um, taken that on board and. And the playing group too have just have loved it and embraced we're one club. Mm, that's such a wonderful initiative. That uh, yeah, I've heard it before, and it's 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 absolutely great bringing back all the guys. And obviously, as you said, it doesn't matter who it is or how many games or whatever. You're all part of that that Melbourne Football Club family. Mm. So um, that is it is an amazing thing that they, that they do down there. Um, to sort of to finish off, I like to do a bit of a a bit of a draft, a bit of a lighthearted uh, segment to finish, and yeah. I, I thought we'd do uh, greatest sporting moments that we wish we could have attended. Uh, could be could be anything. Could be from Australia. Could be overseas, whether you're into American sports or um, golf or, or anything like that. I thought we'd uh, yep. go back and forth and select our our five our five top uh, five top places we wish we were at. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you like to would you like to kick things off or would you like me to kick things off? Oh, uh, I'll go. Yeah, okay. go. Um, kick things off for us. This is the under pressure draft. 97 Tiger Woods US Masters victory oh. when he wins it by 12. <laughs> um, I'm a big golf fan and yeah. my bucket list items to be at Augusta and play on Augusta. Um, yeah, and I love my golf. So, yeah, yeah I think we've watched a generational type player. Um, oh, no doubt. Over a no long doubt. period of time. Yeah. Uh, he's come to a halt at, I think, 15 now majors. But, yeah. Yeah. Any Masters victory. Adam Scott's won, but Tiger Woods of 97 would have been great to be at. <laughs> that's it. No, you can't go, can't go past the uh, the goat of, uh, of golf. That's, that's for sure. He's, uh, yeah. That was great. Um, look, I'm, I'm a big cricket man, so... Um, I wish I wish I was at. I, know, I probably wasn't. wasn't even. I mean, I was born the same year. It was uh, the Shane Shane Warne ball of the century, um, first ball of the Ashes. Uh, yeah. His first ball of the Ashes. Yeah, I just can't. I can't get enough of it. Um, watching yeah. that delivery is even just going for that one ball would would make the whole day or make the whole series and different things like that. So, um, yeah, <laughs> to look the look at the bewildered face of the batsman after it was like. Yeah, don't know what I did then, but you know, <laughs> yeah, there's only ever one shame worn. 
Oh, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, he's the greatest of all time. No question. No question at all. Um, Another one for me would have been the three-peat of the first Chicago Bulls. Oh, yeah. Um, And then Jay took him, I think it was 91, 92, 93, or something like that, their first three-peat. I've been a Chicago fan back in the time too. So um, <laughs> lovely. They created a dynasty there for themselves. Oh, they certainly did. That's uh, probably <laughs> you got one off me then, I reckon. That was uh yeah. any MJ one is uh is a big one for sure. Um mm. oh, look, I'm I'm gonna go a bit selfish early on. Uh, I'm a big, I don't know if you've seen it, I'm a big cats man. You um, are a cats man. <laughs> that's it. So um would have loved to have been at uh, the 2007 game, although it was pretty one-sided, would have been loved. Would have loved to have been there for the first one in in such a long time. I think it was um, an amazing moment for a lot of a lot of older fans. So um, that would have been what would have been one for me. Yeah, absolutely. They, it was a one-sided. It was 110 that day, wasn't it? <laughs> it was quite big. Yeah, Something a grand final. Look. Yeah, yeah, that's it. that's yeah. the one. That's the one. I still still chuck it on every now and then. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's one where grand finals you just to be able to enjoy the last quarter and embrace it and be in the moment, yeah. and not feel so stressed as a player where it's tight and you better yeah. walk away with it and romp it in. Ninety points, at, it, Yeah, ninety points at three quarter time. I think you can uh, safely say it's in the bag from that from yeah, that point. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I think one of the greatest athletes I've loved. Uh, all the time, and I'm a big tennis fan. Um, oh, I love it! Yeah, is uh, Roger Federer at his peak um, for me, and he's my favourite tennis player. Always has been. I think just the way he goes about a court. But any one of his Wimbledon's um, titles, he's, I know he's won a few, but um, I've loved the grace and how he has perfected the game, and really on any surface. But um, any one of Roger majors 20 majors but one of his Wimbledon's on grass um would have been great to be part of the all england club and be oh, there yeah. and um yeah i think it's it's for me it's the biggest major on the on the circuit oh 100 percent. yeah no doubt about it yeah i'm a i'm a sport nut but um and i love my <laughs> tennis so yeah watching fed when he's at his prime and his best uh and he was when he was unstoppable uh yeah although he I know, I know Nadal had it over him at the French, but um, on <laughs> grass, have, yeah. a special player. Yeah, no, no question. Obviously, there's there's three of them at the top of the top of the tree now at the moment with uh, the 20, 20 odd Grand Slams each. each, and it's a uh, it we've been blessed in the uh, tennis we world. Have. That, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's we been crazy, have. crazy. Um, I'm going to go with a pretty iconic moment um, uh, in Sydney, Kathy Freeman. Uh, her win, uh, her win there. The uh, just being in the arena, I reckon, would have been a, would have been amazing. The atmosphere and um, her getting started, and then the, just the whole race in general, and then obviously uh, Bruce McAvaney, king of commentary, <laughs> commentating the whole thing through is a uh, is a pretty iconic moment, and would have been uh, quite amazing to be at. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I was at the two thousand Olympic Games. Oh. Um, yeah, I got to get up to Sydney. Um, it was one yeah. of my. <laughs> yeah, it was one of my, it was one of my gifts. Um, yeah. After winning the Brownlow. Oh wow! Um, yeah. <laughs> I, in in my Brownlow speech, I I thanked our two major sponsors in yeah. LG and Tui's. Love it. And yeah, and Tui's gave me uh, a week's accommodation <laughs> and tickets to the, so my, my pet event. This one, this is my next one for you. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I would love to be, and this it's my pet event. The 100 final men's is my pet event. And yeah. the one that stands out for me all the time, and we know we've had Usain Bolt um, for a very long time and he's dominated yeah. the scene, the circuit, and the greatest yeah. athlete. But um, the big one for me is uh, 1988 Seoul, where Ben Johnson Ooh, yeah. goes 988, I think. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's imagery and a focus of... Um, and I know it's tainted with his drug scandal of that year and it got taken <laughs> off him, but there's imagery of when the camera's at the finish line and it pans down the straight when they're on the blocks and about to explode. Yeah. And it's on Ben Johnson's eyes. <laughs> and you could see he's not going to get beaten. Yeah. Um, and that nine seconds 
is one of the greatest races I've ever seen. Um, and it's one of my, it's my pet event. So I was very yeah. fortunate to get to the Sydney Games and watch um, those boys at night go at it. So, oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah. Pivotal. That, yeah. That, that was huge. Yeah. That, that's, it's an amazing event. And that's the one that, yeah, most people will sit down and watch whether they haven't watched <laughs> the. Uh, but if yeah. you know, if you know stuff about it and know what's happening and know what's about to go down, it's, yeah, it's amazing. It's a great event. Yeah. Great event. Unbelievable athletes, aren't they? Oh, I still don't know how they do it. I couldn't do it in 18 seconds, probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go for, it's probably, as you said, it's probably not like, like Roger Federer. It's probably not one particular, one particular game, but there was a period of time where Tom Brady was, absolutely in his peak and winning back to back um i think that they won three and four or something like that or something ridiculous something stupid they were an amazing team and just to watch him in the flesh would be absolutely ridiculous i think he's one for the ages yeah that's it greatest player of all time retired does the tampa Tampa, um super bowl stand above any of his other ones he won with the patriots Oh, see, a lot of people would a lot of people would say no, but I think it would just be. I think it's just as good. I think just as good. You can't you can't discredit a, a guy who's coming into a new system, being the greatest of all time. The pressure that comes with that, and then coming into a new system and having to deal with all these players, it's like he he can't win it on. I mean, he can win some games on his own, but like yeah, yeah. It, it's a whole team effort, and to to get that team across the line, um, coming from pretty much nowhere, really. To, yeah, to win, player. oh, I, I love yeah. love watching it. I'm glad he's coming back too, which is yeah. which is great. Retired, then then not retired. So we'll see how we go. Business, that, yeah. oh, exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I was watching the the playoffs recently, and my my Rams, my Rams managed to uh, win the Super Bowl, so I was very pleased with that. But we, I think we beat him, and then he realised that no, nah, I don't want to go out on that. And... No, no, no. want to win. <laughs> yeah, want to win. That's passionate. There's there's real character for you. All right, oh, I'll go. Last one, I'm I think it is. You want to do? Um, I'm a big cycling nut. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And road racing, um, and I do want to actually hire a Winnebago. This is a dream of mine oh, in the off season. Hire yeah. a Winnebago and follow the tour. Love it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Have a few, have a few red wines on some of the hills post event, and just do it. Um, so for me. And again, I'm sorry about the uh, the taintedness of it, but uh, Lance Armstrong seven, yep, uh, that's a phenomenal. I, I reckon it's along with along with rowing, but I reckon cycling. Um, it's a brutal sport, and they're phenomenal athletes, and what they can do, they are just purely yeah. on that, and how they grind for three weeks in the Alps and mm. around the tour. But um, watching Lance Armstrong. Um, which I think has been the greatest rider of all time. I know there's a little bit of um, <laughs> issues with it, but uh, he's seven. Uh, and I love the photo. There's a photo too of Lance Armstrong in his home, laying on his couch, mm. and he's got he's got the seven um, tour jersey victories <laughs> all on his wall. Yeah. And there's a quote saying, they can never take this away from me. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Like phenomenal athlete and yeah, his ability was. to go back to back to back yeah. and win seven tours was amazing. Oh, it really was. Like it really was. And obviously barring all the, uh, the, yeah, the, stuff behind, the controversy and yeah. stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it is an amazing feat. It was an amazing feat. Um, mm. That's certainly a big one, big one. Um, I'm going to sort of, probably not recent, recent, but it was in the last sort of 10, eight, 10 years, the, the, NBA finals um, between the Golden State Warriors and uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers when yeah. uh, LeBron was on on that team and the three one I think is the is the one I'm going for and coming back from a three one deficit against what is probably the best team <laughs> to have ever played the game um, yeah and one of I know that'll that'll <laughs> a lot of people won't be happy about that one um, but. Um, to, to go to that and to, just to go to game seven or just any one of those games, it was just such high class having yeah. Curry, Clay, LeBron, like there was Kyrie, like there was so many stars and they were all, everywhere. they were all at their peak, which was, which was crazy. So 
Um, that's certainly one I wish I <laughs> wish I went to. Did watch all seven games though. That, that's back in the uh, the old uni days. I could uh, I could do that, but <laughs> not so much anymore. <laughs> yeah. Not so much anymore. But um, yeah, there's some good players around, aren't there? Oh, absolute uh, studs and stars, no doubt about yeah. it. But uh, that's just about it, mate. Uh, thanks so much for um, coming on and having a having a chat and um, giving all your insight into your career and coaching and and whatnot. So yeah, really appreciate your time, mate. And um, hope all is well and hope all stays well. No, thanks very much, Jake. Um, thanks for having me on, mate. It's been a great chat. No I'll worries. To another time. Thanks so much. Thanks, mate. The Under Pressure Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Remember to subscribe and share it with all your friends and family. And while you're at it, give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at underpressure1 underscore and underpressurepodcast on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next.